The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Friends, our text for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Listen now for what the Spirit might be saying to us. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against the house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, Immediately it fell. Great was the ruin of that house. This is the word of God for the people of God. In 2015, Mandy Lynn Catron wrote a New York Times article titled, To Fall in Love with Anyone, Do This. It was based on and inspired by a study done by a psychologist, Dr. Arthur Aaron, 20 years prior. Dr. Aaron conducted a study to see if he could make two strangers fall in love. Here's how it happened. Two strangers would walk into a room and sit facing each other. For 90 minutes, they would be guided through a series of 36 questions that gradually increased in vulnerability. Questions such as, would you like to be famous? Or, when was the last time you sang to yourself and someone else? Over the 90 minutes, the two individuals would be prompted to share about the last time they cried their dreams, their relationships with their parents, what they would ask a fortune teller, and what they admired about each other. After all 36 questions had been answered by both parties, the couple then had to sit and stare at each other, maintaining eye contact for four minutes. Y'all, if you think the 30 seconds of silence in the prayer of confession is rough, (laughs) imagine holding eye contact with a stranger for four minutes. What was amazing is that Dr. Aaron's first couple to ever go through the process was married six months later. They invited the entire laboratory staff to their wedding. Now, that obviously didn't happen with every case in this study, or this study would be way more popular. But what this study did reinforce 
And what Mandy then went on to write about was the idea that love does not just happen by accident. Love, real love, foundational love, takes work. We have to give the relationship time. We have to be willing to ask the hard questions. We have to listen to our partner without rushing them. We have to look into each other's eyes and be willing to be vulnerable. Love does not just happen by accident. It happens through a series of honest and hopeful actions. Friends, faith and love are similar in that way. If we want a deep faith, a foundational faith, a faith that can survive the storms, then it won't come from a book alone. It will require a series of honest and hopeful actions. It will require, in Jesus' words, to come, hear, and act. Our text for today paints a picture of two houses, one built with a deep and strong foundation and one built with no foundation at all, a house in the sand. Now I'll admit, I think I heard this text every year in vacation Bible school growing up because any metaphor that can include a sandbox is generally a crowd pleaser. But in all my VBS years, I never really understood what Jesus was saying with this metaphor. So I want to take a moment to slowly move through the text in case your familiarity with this text also dates back to the last time you wore pigtails. Our text for today is the very end of a sermon that Jesus is delivering to a crowd. It's called the Sermon on the Plains in the Gospel of Luke. It's a winding sermon, probably not the format Scott would have taught seminarians in his teaching days, but the crowd seems to stick with Jesus nonetheless. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, you'll see that the sermon starts with the Beatitudes. And then Jesus goes on to talk about loving our enemies And then Jesus goes on to talk about withholding judgment from others. And then Jesus goes on to give a metaphor about a tree and some fruit. And after all of that, we get our scripture passage for today. It's the last thing that Jesus says in his sermon on the plains. He says, I'll tell you what a man is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst, it immediately fell. The phrase Jesus repeats twice in this image is come, hear, and act. Did you catch it? The one who comes, hears, and acts is like a strong foundation. However, on the other hand, the one who comes, hears, and doesn't act is without a foundation. 
They are on shaky ground. Now, what strikes me most about this moment is not what Jesus says. It's actually what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say the one who comes, hears, and believes has the strongest foundation. Jesus doesn't say the one who comes, hears, and repents has the strongest foundation. Jesus doesn't say we have to have it all figured out or be sinless or blameless or forgive 70 times 7 or give everything away that we have. Instead, he brings the equation for foundation work within reach. He quite simply says, try. If you want a strong faith, a foundational faith, then come here and act. We can figure it out as we go. No cuts to this team, just come. And it got me wondering, why is that, you think? Why does Jesus lead with acting instead of leading with belief? Why is that detail so important? I can't be sure, but I wonder if Jesus led with acting because he knew that our belief would need it. I wonder if Jesus knew that we weren't going to build a solid faith through book smarts alone. I wonder if Jesus knew that right doctrine wasn't going to transform us in isolation. We would need the relationships and the rituals, the mountaintop experiences, and the Christmas Eve with candlelight. I wonder if Jesus knew that we would need the mission trip to Mexico and the women's retreat upstate and the Word is Out Sunday School and the young adult community group I wonder if Jesus knew that we would need the youth group and the art gallery and sidewalk meals on Mondays and Wednesdays and communion here in this room. I wonder if he knew that we need all of these honest and hopeful actions, all of these experiences, in order to build a foundation that can help us believe. It seems to me that Jesus may have known what I am just now coming to realize, which is that we may never get to strong belief without actions. Just like you can never learn to swim without jumping in the pool, and just like there's no theoretical bike riding, you have to put your feet in the pedals. There's no falling in love without asking a lot of questions. We can't build a deep faith with a bedrock foundation without some actions and experiences. At least that's been true for me. And I wonder if Jesus knew that. I'll give you an example. When I was in seminary, I had an internship at Druid Hills Presbyterian Church in downtown Atlanta. Massive building, Tiny congregation, big hearts. I loved that church. There was one Sunday in particular that has always stood out in my mind. I was sitting at the back of the sanctuary for worship when David walked in. David was homeless. 
You could tell immediately from his clothes and the trash bag he carried over his shoulder. He had the brightest blue eyes I had ever seen. David slipped into the pew beside me there at the back of the church. I remember he looked nervous, so I leaned over and whispered, Hi, my name's Sarah. And then he quietly said, It's been a long time since I've been to church. I replied with very strong intern energy and said, We're so glad you're here. (laughs) I may have overwhelmed him, which wouldn't be the first time in my life because he went quiet for a while. And then a few hymns in, David asked, Do you think they'd let me take communion? The semester before that internship, I took a worship class where we learned about communion. And one of the things my professor, Kim Long, emphasized in that class was that communion was a prophetic meal. It models for us what God's promised day might look like when swords are beaten into plowshares and all God's children have a place at the table. I mean, where else in the world are all welcomed and fed? It's a prophetic meal. I'd heard the lecture the semester before. I'd taken notes. I'd written the communion paper. But something about communion felt different when David sat next to me with his blue eyes and said, do you think they'll let me take communion? I looked him in the eye and I whispered there on the back pew, absolutely. So when the time came, David and I walked up the center aisle together. We were the last two to receive the elements, having sat all the way in the back. So the rest of the church had moved through the line and was already seated, watching our slow march up the aisle. David brought his trash bag with him, which was unwieldy to say the least, and the organ played as we walked, giving all of us a bit of an out-of-body experience, as if we were watching this moment from afar instead of living it right now. And when we finally got to the front, the pastor looked at David and said, this is the bread of life and the cup of grace for you. And she touched his hand as she handed him the elements. And from just a few steps behind him, I could see tears running down his face. Because here at this table, he was welcomed. And here at this table, he was fed. And here at this table, he was treated with dignity. I had heard in class what communion should be weeks before. I'd taken the notes. I'd written the paper. I knew in my head how powerful it could be, how prophetic it was. But it wasn't until I was walking up that aisle behind David that I felt the holiness of that moment stirring in me. It wasn't until I saw the bread in David's worn hands, it wasn't until I saw the tears running down his cheeks that the power of communion came alive for me. Oh, I thought to myself, this is what Jesus meant when he said, come to me all who are weary. Oh, 
This is what the textbook meant when they said communion should be a model for the kingdom of God. I see it now. I'd read the books, but it didn't transform me until I lived it. And you better believe one of the stones in my faith foundation has David's name carved into it. Friends, I think our faith needs experiences. It needs actions. I think there's a reason Jesus didn't say to the people on the plains, come here and believe. He said, come here and act. Because that acting helps us get to belief in the first place. That's how we build the foundation. That's where it begins. You wouldn't walk into Dr. Aaron's marriage lab, introduce yourself, and skip to the I do's. There's no foundation there. Even the thought of it makes me sweat. Instead, you would want to take your time answering all those questions. You would want those four minutes of eye contact. You would want all of the action steps because that's how we dig deep. That's how you build a house on stone. And I know, that doesn't mean it's easy. Faith is not easy. There will be days and seasons for all of us where we feel like we're standing in the sand and the waters are rising. There will be days for all of us where the foundation of the past has cracked and we can't go back there again. I know many of us probably feel that way after these 18 pandemic months. And when that happens, I think this text would invite us to keep acting out our faith, to keep leaning into new experiences, trusting that in time a new foundation will appear, stone by stone. Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say we have to act out our faith, because you already do. You are a church that has rolled up its sleeves time and time again. You are a church that has creased the pages of your Bible and written notes in the margins of your bulletins. You are a church that welcomes people into this community with authenticity and joy. You are a church that takes to the streets for justice and has invited the streets in for love, and I think that would make God smile. So don't stop doing what you're doing. Because Jesus' message was clear. We are to come, to hear, and to act. That is part of the foundation of our belief. So keep digging. Keep laying that foundation. Keep building your faith one honest and hopeful action after the other. It's all that easy, and it's all that hard. Thanks be to God for a love that changes us. And thanks be to God for the invitation of faith. Amen. Family of faith, Jesus' invitation is simple. Come, hear, and act. So keep doing what you do best. Keep digging, keep building your faith, one honest and hopeful action after the other. And as you leave this place, may you love as if love is not a scarcity. 
May you hope like there is a better tomorrow. May you live like we belong to one another, because we do. And may you trust that nothing can separate you from the love of God. In the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go now in peace.